welcome to the Mobile Dev Memo Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Eric Sufert. My guest today is Adam Lieb. Adam is the founder and CEO of GameSite, which is the growth marketing platform for PC, console, and Web3 games. Adam has been building tools for game developers for over a decade. I invited Adam onto the podcast today because I wanted to discuss some very recent news, which was in chronological order that in terms of when this news was announced, that Microsoft is building or is receiving proposals for an ad network to allow free-to-play game developers to expose ads in their games on Xbox, followed by Sony's announcement of essentially the same. Now, both of these announcements were pretty light on details. And in fact, the Microsoft story was sort of leaked. feels like it was strategically leaked, but you know, Microsoft did not necessarily confirm that. But nonetheless, these would be interesting developments in the console gaming landscape, and I could think of no one better to discuss them than Adam. So Adam, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Eric. Before we jump into all that, how was your GDC? I thought GDC was very weird this year. GDC was very weird because GDC was like, you know, GDC ETH plus like regular GDC or something. I don't know how to describe it, but it was definitely like, you know, crypto comes to GDC. So there was a little bit of the like, I don't want to say old guard, new guard. That's probably not totally fair, but there was definitely a new crop of people that you're not used to seeing as well as the folks you are used to seeing. So I don't know. Definitely was a little weird. I thought it was great. I mean, it was good to see a lot of people I haven't seen before or haven't seen in a long time, right? I've like customers that I got to meet with. And I'm like, I've literally worked with you for two years during COVID and like, you know, hey, I'm not as tall as you hoped I was (laughs) or whatever. Right. I absolutely agree. I think it was the Web3 Developers Conference. It like (laughs) the uh, crypto just dominated everything. But it was nice to be back in San Francisco. I left San Francisco in December 2019. I hadn't been back since then just because of COVID. But it was also like, so we met, we met up in person at the Stardust Lounge. And so you had <laughs> had sent me that note, like, let's meet, meet at the Stardust Lounge. And I had no idea what you're talking about. I just assumed that was like some kind of like dive bar or something. And so I did a, <laughs> I did a Google map search and like nothing came up. And then it turned out that our friends at Stardust, you know, whom I've interviewed on this podcast before, had rented out a storefront like next to Moscone and transformed it into their own proprietary lounge, which just led me to recognize how devastating COVID had been for San Francisco <laughs> commercial real estate. I mean, that used to be like a footlocker or like an AT&T store or something, and it was just empty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was crazy, but it was nice. It was a good spot to meet, right? It was not too busy, not too loud and nice and cool. They gave us free drinks, like it worked out great. Yeah, no, they had a whole fruit platter and uh, free <laughs> coffee and uh, the charging stations. It was actually great. So thank you to the Stardust team, Atif and Kanan. Thank you very much. Okay. Interesting week, right? So was it Monday or it was last week that basically this news was leaked or a news article was written about kind of leaked information about Microsoft pursuing an ad network? I don't think that was unexpected. I mean, on my part, I kind of expected that because Satya, Microsoft CEO, was sort of championing the ad business last earnings. And so my sense was, you know, acquiring Activision unlocked a lot of opportunity to build an ad network. But I'd written about that a couple weeks ago. When I sort of envisioned that, I envisioned it as being more of like an ad tech initiative that spanned the entire content catalog across mobile with King, you know, Mojang, maybe potentially uh, Minecraft. I mean, the desktop 
portfolio, the, the, or the PC console portfolio. And that doesn't really sound like what they're doing, or at least in sort of like a, a maybe an initial pass at it. So why don't like, I'm going to hand over the mic, just kind of tell us what was announced. What do we know so far about Microsoft's advertising ambitions with games? Nothing. We know nothing because nothing was announced. Is there a term for this? Like it's a leak, but like no one actually believes it's a leak. Have someone come up for like a press term for that yet? Uh, a strategic leak? Yeah, it seemed like yeah. a strategic leak. It's what it seemed like, right? There was an interview from an official source, but yet no official comment. So I don't know if that's a you know, trial balloon or whatever. I mean, there were details were sparse. It's hard to really know exactly what it means other than there are people that are actually working on this. It's done at the Microsoft Xbox level instead of at like the Yahoo level. I mean, right now there are ads on Xbox. They're sold by Yahoo. They're right. promoted, sponsored tile type things. This seems like a first party effort, not a we've sold this ad space to some... Yeah. company to, to sell for us. So it does seem like a concerted effort. My guess is the trial balloon is to see how market responds and then you know take that feedback. You, know, you saw what happened with Netflix. They sort of did the same thing and their stock crashed for like 40% yesterday or something like that. So maybe there's just a little bit of like, hey, let's see if this is just totally intolerable to people and then we'll pull it. If not, we'll move forward. And then sort of like shortly after, there's another announcement from another article about Sony and PlayStation that's like, yeah, we're going to do that same thing too, even though there's no details of what that thing even is. Yeah. So we're in the ad network uh, Shadow Wars or something. Console Shadow Wars. Well, uh, you know, I'll refer to my own catchphrase. Uh, everything is an ad network, right? You know, that <laughs> plays into a little bit of a different dynamic that had more to do with like ATT and the, the deterioration of, of Facebook's kind of supremacy there, right? But, you know, everything old is new again, right? And why now? Do you think this is related to the Activision acquisition or is this just like a separate thread? Is this just like a kind of parallel initiative? Uh, I think probably parallel, but maybe that that pushes it. I mean, I think over time, what I think Xbox has has learned and what they're doing is obviously moving more towards a subscription service, less towards you know buy a sixty dollars game one time. I think mm-hmm. public markets reward that subscription revenue really highly, yeah. and so the more it looks like subscription revenue, the better. And then as you start looking at, well, how do you expand? There's only so many console owners out there like mobile is the gigantic elephant in the room and so how do you get an xbox game pass type feature on a billion mobile phones there's a lot of things you have to do x cloud is certainly a piece of that puzzle but i also think that like you mentioned the activision acquisition mobile catalog mobile content and mobile mobile form factor games have to be a piece of it and well what's one thing that many 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 mobile form factor games have in common is they're ad supported and right now that's not something that is sort of native to the xbox ecosystem so i think figuring that out is first order of business and it's like a very worthwhile endeavor like how do you make an ad supported game work in this sort of like xbox ecosystem broadly and i think that's what this initiative is right and i think one thing to take note of is is, you know advertising is a very attractive business i mean because most of the time you layer it on to existing content right it's high margin and again, like the everything is an ad work idea. It's like if you think about like the consumer tech space, couldn't really do that before because you're not going to compete with Facebook. But now that Facebook's in some sense seeing that that supremacy be whittled away a little bit, then you can. Right. And so that makes sense on like the consumer mobile side. The console side seems completely detached from that, though. And so if everything is an ad network just generally, I think there's like a recognition that, you know, again, like everything old is new again, like this is a really attractive business model and and we can just sort of layer it on top of existing content and make money. Now there's churn considerations and all that, but okay, just to kind of surface some of the details. So I got the, I've got the insider article up in front of me and, and actually the title of the article. So people can so you search pay for that it. subscription fee? 
I do. <laughs> Look at you. Well, they quote me a lot, so okay. I needed to. Uh, I read uh, it on like NeoGAF or like wherever they like post that publicly for free. Well, I don't. I don't condone usage of of those uh, services. I think you should subscribe. But <laughs> nonetheless, the title of the article is "Microsoft is building an ad program that will let brands advertise in Xbox games." Now, the red flag for me just in the headline is "ad program." <laughs> like, no, that doesn't mean anything. Like <laughs> that's, that's a term ad, people use. Yeah, ad platform, ad network, ad program. There's such a thing. Program. Okay, <laughs> so what they say. And I'm just going to read it. Microsoft wants to let advertisers place ads inside free-to-play Xbox games. So I'm going to highlight just a couple things with it. Place ads inside free-to-play Xbox <laughs> games. Well, what does that mean? Because there are bona fide free-to-play games on Xbox. But you could also kind of think of anything in Game Pass as free-to-play, right? And I think we haven't really learned yet whether they are... Is this broad-based in Game Pass or single download uh, free-to-play? I, we don't know that yet. But I think you can interpret that either way. And it is currently identifying ad tech companies who can create the in-game inventory and work with ad agencies to place the ads. Said two people who are involved in the talks. I'm going to jump down. Those sources said those ads would show up as, for instance, digitally rendered billboards in a car racing game. Insider was unable to learn if Xbox will also offer other types of in-game ad units like avatar skins or video ads that play in gaming lobbies. Insider was also unable to determine if Microsoft has pitched the Xbox offering to advertisers yet. So again, just not a lot here. Let me hover on this free-to-play idea real quick because you, you look like you had something to say there. Do, what do you think about this distinction between, hey, this is a standalone free-to-play, like truly free-to-play built game, or this is a game that you can access for free in, in Game Pass? Do you draw a distinction between those two types of games? Um, I don't know that I do as a consumer, but I know consumers do drastically. If you look at the myriad of outrages of console gamers over the years around ads in games, it pretty much always comes down to like, F you, I paid X dollars right. for this thing and you're giving me ads. And I think yeah. that's one thing that just mobile free-to-play just has like never struggled with. The games were free, they had ads, yeah. and it just was like cost of doing business to play a free-to-play game. When you take a game like, and I forget which year it was, but it was a, a UFC game, like one of the, the big um, UFC games came out, they had ads. Uh, it was like between loading screens, they would show video yeah. ads. People flipped shit. I want to say the game had been out like two or three days until they had to like remove them basically because like the Reddit threads were just so negative and toxic. I paid 40 or 60 bucks for this game. How dare you put ads in it? I don't see that changing tomorrow. And I don't think Xbox and Microsoft want to be on the bleeding edge of like, Hey, let's change consumer sentiment around uh, premium content with, with ads. So I'll be shocked if that's the direction we're going anytime soon, which is why I do draw the distinction of a core free to play experience that is ad supported. And I Mm -hmm. think the game pass piece is an interesting part because it's, it's, a similar thing. I'm paying for access to this premium subscription for 15 bucks a month or 20 bucks a month on Ultimate or whatever the, the the dollar amount is. And now you're giving me ads. That's going to be a tougher pill to swallow. I wouldn't be surprised to see like either a new tier of, of Game Pass or just mm-hmm. these free-to-play online ad-supported games existing kind of like outside of that, where yeah. traditionally you've needed Xbox Gold Pass uh, subscription to play any online games, maybe there ends up being an ad supported tier that doesn't require that, you know, kind right. of $10 a base month subscription to play that's supported by ads. And then you, in essence, have games that are purely ad supported. I'll just be shocked if, if, if Microsoft is like, hey, let's take the leap of trying to tell people you paid $60 for a game. Now there's ads in it. You're welcome. Like, no way. There'll be, you know, blood in the streets. So it was UFC 4. It was, uh, okay. September 2020. What was funny about that, so I'm just looking at the article. One of the ads was for just some show on Amazon, The Boys. 
So mm-hmm. great show. They, they play during replays and that's part of an overlay. So I want to unpack that because I think there's a lot of interesting stuff encapsulated in what, in what you just said. So free to play game built as a free to play game. My general sense is that people are sort of like more receptive to ads, to clever DLC, promotional mechanics, all that kind of stuff. Premium game that I paid to download, no, that just as in the case of UFC 4, they're probably not receptive to that at all. There's probably a great deal of hostility to that, as was proven with UFC 4, right? Like, if I paid for this, you don't get to monetize me secondarily, right? Like, that's the transaction, right? It's over. Uh, mm-hmm. I've paid you money, now give me full access to the content. So my sense is on the Game Pass side, there's kind of two parties that Xbox has to appease, right? So one is the consumer. I mean, if they're paying the Xbox subscription fee, yeah, there's some expectations there. But the other is a developer, right? And I'm kind of jumping a little bit ahead in, in terms of the questions that I prepared, but I think this is probably like where we were directed at anyway. Developers kind of see Game Pass, my sense is, and correct me if, if I'm wrong, but like they see it in a negative light, right? Like in terms of just the movement of the industry. It's like my sense is, and you know, I work with console developers and I, I know the Game Pass, you know, sort of dynamics. They see it as like a race to the bottom, but it's like one, it's like you can't put that genie back in the bottle once it's been opened, right? Like if you've got a subscription service, customers like that, they, they get accustomed to it, they sub in and the Xbox Game Pass subs are growing, you know, at a pretty decent clip, right? It's 25 million that they just announced what when they acquired Activision and it was something like mm-hmm. 16 the last announcement right the last milestone so you know that's the the, the consumers obviously like it and so if you're a developer you got to go where the eyeballs are and you got to go where the engagement is and so so that's where you go but like they don't really like the model because they take a premium game and they make it basically free they get a ton of DAU but you know the payment there is is either a one off or it's it's a rev share or it's kind of some combination of those but it's probably not as lucrative as it as it would have been just on a, a purely premium basis. But if consumers are expecting their content to be for free and bundled because it's bundled in the subscription, then like, well, that's where the engagement's moving, right? I mean, I would say like a, a general animus on the part of developers towards this program, but they also realize, okay, well, there's momentum here and that's just what has to be done. And so the, the question is, well, do you continue to just make premium games that are built as premium games try to squeeze money out of them on the premium premium model for as long as you can. And then when that sales cycle has ended and the, and the sort of marketing beat has ended, then you just hand them over to Microsoft for like a one-off fee or a rev share, uh, engagement-based rev share in Game Pass. That feels like a worst of both worlds model, right? Like either you fully lean into the Game Pass model and you make genuinely free-to-play style games with DLC, you know, DLC purchases and ads or you just stay premium, which is no longer kind of as viable, right? Because the subscription model has been launched. And again, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. So maybe just can talk, talk to me about that. Like, what do you think about that? First of all, is that idea totally off base? Um, and, and if it's not, then don't ads just kind of create more incentive for game developers to move onto the Game Pass model? No, that most of that that sort of jives with my thinking, and then I talk with developers about it. That there's like this like existential fear that it's a race to the bottom, that you end up in a world where you know that there's a small number of subscription services that operate more similar to the Hollywood model, where if you're trying to make a TV show, there's like six doors to knock on, and you can try to sell it to one of those six networks, and you either sell it or you don't. That's scary. That that's different than how it feels today. And while there are gatekeepers that like. Xbox and PlayStation, like you, they're by and large open. Like generally, you make a game, you can ship it on Xbox as long as you sort of like follow their rules. 
you can have success there. You can have as much commercial success as, as you can sort of drive to it. The idea that that kind of goes away and consumers just only want what's on the $15 a month subscription. Now you're in a place where you're having to you know, bid against or you know, they're tech, you know, bidding against a bunch of other game developers for the for those right types of games. So I don't know. It is scary. It is a sort of like an existential threat. But it's also right now, like the economics are good for a lot of developers, right? You make a game on Steam, you have you sell, sell a million units. Xbox wants that game on Game Pass. You, they'll make you a pretty competitive offer to sort of port, bring that game to Game Pass. And mm-hmm. you've wildly de-risked the endeavor of, of taking a game and make, trying to make it cross-platform. So I see why developers are attracted to it. And I also see why they're scared of it. The thing that sort of like, you know, ad supported or free-to-play you know, kind of breaks the model is that, is that you get to a, a world of like where user acquisition becomes a competitive advantage. Right now, it's not on yeah. Xbox by and large. Very few games are sort of like doing user acquisition anywhere close to what you would ever see on mobile. I know that world super closely. Those games are almost all our customers. So I actually yeah. see those on a daily basis. But that's not a skill set that is pervasive, certainly not with any developers. Um, so moving to a more of a free-to-play world is going to make sort of bring that competitive nature that they can kind of break the no, it's a weird way to say it, but like it's it's almost like Microsoft or Xbox is building their own monopoly of Game Pass inside their own ecosystem, which I don't know if yeah. I've ever seen a monopoly inside a already self-contained ecosystem, but that that could be what's happening. Yeah, that's really interesting. So I see it kind of from two angles, right? So like if you're an indie developer, what's the name of that Swedish developer that made the Viking game that was like kind of a viral hit? Just Coffee Stain Studios. I yeah, believe. right. Valheim, is that the game you're talking about? Yes, 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 yeah. yes. If you're them, Game Pass is probably awesome, right? Like, you know, maybe they approach you with a big check and, you know, you're a dev studio of whatever, like less than 10, right? I mean, there's a small studio. Yeah. If you're, uh, you know, legacy company X with like an existing brand and, you know, you're basically in like a sequel cycle, Game Pass sucks, right? Because you've got a pretty baked in revenue stream, right? From just, yeah, I'm going to push out a sequel every two years and it's going to sell a bunch of copies and I've got like my marketing is all oriented towards just pushing premium unit sales, Game Pass just disrupts that whole thing. And, you know, your games aren't necessarily going to really work that well on Game Pass in terms of like just driving incremental revenue. So you just kind of take what you get from That's actually what it used to be, right? Like before, uh, sort of like one generation ago, before it was Game Pass, it was Xbox Game with Gold. And that was primarily what it was used for, right? You're getting mm-hmm. to launch Dead Rising 4. So you put Dead Rising 3 on Game with Gold. Right. And everyone gets to play it for free. People get excited about it. And now you start marketing Dead yeah. Rising 4 to, to that cohort. They're like, hey, well, yeah, I'm excited about this genre. So that, it used to be sort of the like, I don't want to call it quite back catalog. It was, you know, last season's games mm-hmm. uh, that, that were used as a marketing effort for, for the next version of games. It is less that these days, I think, than what it was. But it still can be useful for that. You know, if those, yeah. you know, you're making Valheim 2, like sure, throw Valheim 1 on Game Pass right. and, and get a bunch of people in your ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. So your expectation is like, they establish a beachhead, they've got, you know, they talked about the private marketplace, they've got, I don't know, a couple big brands, let's say, that, that are participating. The free-to-play games are able to sort of create units, they work with some ad tech partner, and there's like, kind of high quality, you know, high credibility ads that are being shown in sort of like a limited way, but then they, they expand the beachhead. They, they sort of expand that program incrementally over time. And let's say in 10 years, this looks like something different, right? Is that, is that? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, ultimately the best sort of combination of things doesn't exist yet, right? Like there isn't a game, like I can think of like a really awesome mobile ad supported game, like I don't know, like Archero, right? Or yeah. Archero, I don't know how you say it. 
like you can't just like move that to Xbox and have it be successful. But uh, mm-hmm. you can imagine a game experience like that on Xbox, where you know it's the sort of like great form factor that does allow for boosts and you know yep. timer delays and like all of the loops that exist that are ad supported. Like th- th- a game like that doesn't exist, so I think it's hard for them to just like turn this on and have it all work. So it's yep. going to have to be curated where you have some games that are testing and experimenting. But ultimately, I think that the value here for Xbox is making a platform such that. I, the next, you know, Archero game developer for Xbox can build that now native experience on console that takes advantage of ads. And I know I can build a game for that right now. Why would you do that? Why would you build an ad support game for console? You wouldn't, you couldn't. Yeah. And this is going to make it possible. And how long that takes to go through the cycle of iteration of, of game developers, I, a couple of years, I would suspect. Well, right, because it's not, these games are just fundamentally different, right? I mean, you're looking at, you know, Archero is, is a good example. I mean, any, but any of like the sort of like casual games, like just the economies are, they become like pretty complex because you have purely cosmetic goods that you can just sort of give away. And then there's anything that, you know, for ad views, right? And then anything that's in the catalog can potentially be given away for ad views, but you've got to be careful about that and you sort of selectively and deliberately choose those things. But that requires like kind of a big catalog of those things, right? Like that's the game. That is that catalog. And then how do you just distribute those things becomes the economy. So I just got a Warzone victory today. I'm Congrats. averaging one I'm a- averaging one a day. So just a on, little on bit like of like how many how many matches? Uh, you know, one to two. No, I don't know. Like three. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't play that often. But no, I, I played one match today and it was a victory. It was uh resurgence though, so not the full on uh, okay, uh, battle, battle royale. And, but nonetheless, okay, so, but I probably spent a thousand bucks in Call of Duty, right? Easily, you know, in the last three years, right? In Warzone. But that game was, is built in a very sort of specific way, right? Like it's, they've got the battle pass, you know, there's a lot of things that you can buy, right? Most games are not built that way. I'm also playing Ghosts of mm-hmm. Tsushima. You couldn't do that. Like, there's no way no. to implement ads in Elden a way Ring? that. You're going to have ads in Elden right. Ring? No. Of you can't. Not. It's just the game is not designed in such a way that ads could be integrated like where they complement the game experience. It would just be yeah. disruptive and annoying, right? Um, Which is what the UFC players said. And I think that that's right. fair. Like, so that's, yeah. that's sort of my thought on like this not being this massive. Like by the end of this year, Xbox is this huge ad, ad network because what games are built to take advantage of it? None. Exactly. Right? exactly. They're, they're exactly. going to be these like kind of like half mission. Like, ah, like you could kind of do it here. Like a kind of a cool example. And I, I sent you this article earlier today. Street Fighter V implemented ads in game and, and they kind of did it in... I don't know, like arguably the best way possible, which is they were purely optional. You could turn them on to earn like more the virtual currency in the game, like per match if you had ads turned on, but totally optional. No one could turn them on for you. You just like went into your dashboard and it's like, yes, turn on ads. And if I do, I earn X percent more. I think they're called fight coins. And then then like you see an ad on like, you know, during match load screens. It's obviously not part of the core game loop. Like it's just sort of like, hey, let's kind of shoehorn it in but like it works okay and like i think we'll see this year next year some of those types of things where, where developers like okay we kind of add ads in here and, and here's how it'll work i think one of the fundamental challenges one of the things i think makes it really different than mobile well there's a, there's a few pieces one is like the creative right these are not like iab standard formatted ads generally speaking right, right? these are like highly custom yeah right they're wrapped around like a character's jersey in game or the yeah. decision example is always a racing game where like you drive by a billboard yeah, yeah, yeah i've never actually seen that in a game but i've probably seen 10 ad tech companies that show me one of those on their website so like maybe one day it will exist but i've like, personally never seen it um, yeah. and i think that's a challenge because it requires creative that is 
unique that you don't just get to say, oh, let me go take my you know ad credit from Facebook and throw it on here. You have to build something new. It's a weird dimension. Yeah. Uh, there's no real, you know, sort of like viewability and measurability. I know there's companies that say they do that, and but like it's still brand new. It doesn't conform to what normal standards are. And the the volumes are really small, especially if you're talking about a premium game, right? Like compare mm-hmm. that to a, a mobile game with tens of millions of installs. You know, you're talking yeah. about a, a really successful premium. I mean, right? Elden Ring sold 12 million units. I know we're not talking about ads in Elden Ring, but like that's a that's a small base. That's not yeah. a lot of impressions. And so right. a lot of the the way you kind of think about ad models elsewhere, like don't fully fit here, right? Like these are like highly like insane CPMs, right? Like, and I don't even know if most of these companies even charge on CPMs or they call it something else because of these mm-hmm. kind of like custom brand things but the, the, the cpms will be insane there's mm-hmm. no measurability all right there's no pixels there's no cookies there's nothing mm-hmm. that like we're normally used to, to seeing in the ad tech ecosystem so i do think there are a lot of challenges even when you do this it's almost like for some of these games what's the incentive right to make a marginal thirty thousand dollars more a month on my game right. is that worth doing all this both work and potential pr backlash uh, yeah, i'm yeah. super curious to see by the end of the year like which games we see now that it's like, you know, assume that it becomes kosher in Q3, which is at least that report kind of indicates they're kind of trying to roll it out in Q3. Mm-hmm. How many games take advantage of it? And then like what level of um, depth do they really go here? I think another another point I'd make is like these games are not designed, like the premium game is not designed to have a high level of persistent DAO, right? Like you build a premium game, like it's built to be beaten, right? So like <laughs> I beat it and I churn, right? That's the whole point. Like it's, they're not event-based, right? They're not, you know, like unless me and Elden like, Ring, which I can right. brag about because I've actually beat Elden Ring now. So. You did, you beat Elden Ring? How long did yeah. it take you? I don't want to, I don't want to admit that publicly. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of hours, a lot of hours. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I basically could never game because my office at home is next to my son's room and my wife like strictly prohibits me from playing video games during the day. Like if my son could see it, right? So during the day I'm working and then like after work, I can't play games because my son is home and he can see it. And then I can't play at night when he's sleeping because my, you know, or I could, but I the Wi-Fi didn't really reach to the office. So I moved into a new office and so now I can play more games, which maybe it's not a good thing. But so my engagement has uh, has increased a lot, but not not enough to beat Elden Ring <laughs> or even come close. But yeah, that's the thing. Like, so you play Elden Ring and you, you beat it and you're done, right? And you, maybe you'll revisit it in a couple of years or something, but you're not a persistent DAO, right? It's not like an event-based kind of like, competitive or social game which proliferate on mobile right and it's like to, to the point about you know archero like you know there's there's new levels released all the time it's meant to be played kind of on a daily basis for a long time and but even the and, free-to-play games on xbox are not they were not built to be ad supported obviously because you couldn't right. do that so yeah there are no games i don't think that like currently sit on xbox i don't know maybe roblox right because they have sort of like the yeah. in-game ads and some of their like game worlds or whatever but i, I don't yeah. know that there are any games that where you're just like oh great well now they'll turn ads on and like you know their game works a whole lot better like these are going to have to be net new experiences and exactly. game which right and it, well it takes time and I, I to your point about like what's you know are the developers that are even building for x like so does this the ability to show ads in the game and that sort of monetization potential does that entice free-to-play game devs that are focused on mobile over to xbox probably not right well, that's a better question for you because isn't I mean the, the thing that I've heard for however many years on mobile is that it's this just like you know competitive wasteland of like how do I break through every you know I'm competing with you know the supercells and zingas and scopelys mm-hmm. and their massive budgets like I can never compete there so like are any of those devs go hey look here's an ecosystem I can now play in where my skills as building these like great core game loops can actually like be effective like I don't know I mean that's I wonder if you, you have a perspective on if that's like attractive if the game types that you're used to building which are ad supportive are now available on a HD experience yeah well that's the process so a lot of mobile developers are not 
building, you know, the high fidelity AAA games, right? So like if you're capable of building an Archero, where are you more, um, what's the sort of like better recipient platform for that? Is it mobile or is it Xbox, right? Because I think on Xbox, it would probably just not get any traction. No, but I also wonder how different, I mean, the, the Xbox sort of like catalog is is so big now. There are so many players that, that have different, not everyone is looking for the Call of Duty experience, right? Like there have been mm-hmm. games like, you know, Peggle and Bejeweled and games like that that like yeah. have been successful on Xbox. So like, I do think there is room for, sure, you can't just take a, a game that's built for a small screen, port it to a big screen and assume it works. Like that's not the case, but can you take game design philosophies from you know, I would keep going back to this Archer example and build that for a, a larger screen that is controller supported. It doesn't, I don't think it has to be AAA physics graphics that you'd yep. see in like an Unreal 5 game to be a fun, playable experience on, on Xbox, especially. And I'm sure this is a huge part of Microsoft's thinking is like the world of like Game Pass, xCloud breaks free from the form factor of having to be on a big screen that can now be played on mobile, can be played on tablet, can be played in browser. Well, all of a sudden that makes a whole lot more sense, right? Like then you actually yeah. can literally just ship Archero in Game Pass that's playable on a phone and is and gets to take yeah. advantage of the rest of the like kind of Xbox Live experience, friends, achievements, all this stuff that, that a lot of people have invested a lot of their their life into. That's true. And that's like a that's another dimension. We should talk about that. But I do think like if you think about just pure play Xbox games, right? So like you think about an Archero or you think about like the games on the more casual side of the mobile spectrum, right? And like, you know, you've got that ARPU. DAO dynamic that still allows them to be successful because of the TAM of mobile, which is basically everybody, right? The TAM, the total addressable market, mobile, everyone, right? And so it's like, okay, well, I can reach an audience of sufficient size that this pretty low ARP DAO or low ARPU game still is commercially successful because there's so many people that play it. Well, that's, you're more constrained on the Xbox just in terms of TAM than you are on the phone. And I want, so like, what's the limit there? What's like the lower bound? So I think my sense is like an Archero type game, if it's purely ad supported, probably doesn't make sense. Right now, the question is, you know, what kind of support do you get from Xbox to, to put that there, right? Because if there's no acquisition cost, yeah, maybe, but I don't know that you're going to make enough money on ads to really have that be worthwhile, right? To support it and to, you know, do everything you need to do to, to keep a game alive on a platform. But I think there's some area within that zone right within that zone or that spectrum that probably does make sense so my sense is like you probably could implement ads in, in Warzone in a way that makes a lot of sense and actually is well received by customers you give away a custom skin once a month or you know well, I don't know whatever you have to watch if you've done xyz thing or whatever like there's plenty of ways I think to implement there was one mechanic that I guess it fell out of favor or whatever but like it was kind of a daily kind of assuming that there's no like sort of concerns around the use of gambling mechanics or or whatever. But like in mobile, there was like every day you'd get like a daily spin, right? Like this was Mm -hmm. a mechanic that was really popular for us. You'd load the game up for the first time and you got like the chance to spin a wheel and there's like a reward, right? If it landed on it. Now, most of the time it landed on some, you know, dumpy thing, but you you had to, you had to watch an ad to do it. Right. Or you got to spin once mm. and then you could spin again if you watch yeah, it. Sure. Like that kind of thing. I can Archero see. Archero does that. exactly that. That's literally, they, they have that exact mechanic in their game. Are they still doing that? Okay. It kind of fell out of favor. Spin the wheel. Well, it might, it might not be when you first, it might not be a daily login bonus, but they right. do that. They do that spin the wheel and then, yeah, you know, or watch an ad, either, you know, pay some coins or watch an ad and right. get a second, second crack. Right. The wheel. Exactly. Exactly. So that kind of thing, I can totally see you implementing that in, uh, in Call of Duty. Now, that's, that's only one ad view a day. But that's probably one ad view a day across the entire user base, right? So that's like, yeah, that could be meaningful. It totally could. But, uh, you know, that goes back to what we said at the beginning, which is like 
Call of Duty isn't built for that. Not that they can't right. change it, but it's a change. It's not just a, oh, cool, let's just throw some ads in there. It's like, okay, well, now how do we think about some of our core mechanics and figure out how to augment them with ads? And I guess maybe that's a good way of thinking of this is like the first generation of ad-supported games will most likely be augments to games that already have a business model of yeah. either free-to-play microtransactions or maybe premium DLC, maybe longer term, right? Street Fighter was a premium game. Right. So they, they were able to do it in, in a game like that. Longer term, I, I think, and again, if I'm, if I'm sitting at Xbox, I'm thinking about how do we make sure that five years from now that we are attracting the best games on any device to our platform, regardless of their business model, understanding that ad supported is a business model that if you were to stack up the number of games in the world, more ad supported than anything else, right? Yeah. Obviously, most of those are mobile, casual, hyper casual. Yeah. But that is a addressable market for Microsoft or for Xbox in, in the dev ecosystem that right now they basically can't talk to or support. Um, and so I think this is kind of blowing the lid off their addressable market for games and however that ends up forming with you know kind of game passes and subscription services. Right. I want to talk to you about the thing that you're probably the foremost expert in the <laughs> world in is how do console devs do UA, user acquisition now, right? Because that's, I mean, that's what your company does. And like, I just, because I think that's interesting to consider because like within the context of this conversation, because when you add in that sort of secondary revenue opportunity, well, then that, what does that do? That creates more economic potential to work with in terms of marketing the game right now. You know, I would say five years ago, the only way that marketing was really done for games was Hey, we've got a launch coming up. Let's do launch marketing. Let's buy billboards. Let's, you know, do TV murals, commercials. TV <laughs> commercial, all that kind of stuff. That is changing, right? And like that's part of this overall kind of landscape shift that I think is allowed. It was like, well, okay, these dynamics are changing. Like the way that people acquire users for these games, which like that kind of terminology never even really existed for console games mm -hmm. five years ago, user acquisition, right? But that's changing. The whole landscape is changing. And like I think it's probably there's some sort of asymptote that I think console reaches that's not quite like full-on free-to-play ecosystem. And I think any console develop player that's listening to this is cheering that, right? The idea that <laughs> that'll never happen. But where is that asymptote? And so I, I think part of that is defined by how can we as a console developer acquire users and like what kind of measurement do we use? And that's, you know, what you're the world's foremost expert in. So I think we'd be remiss in not talking about this. So talk me through how a console developer today, if they're like sort of more on the progressive end of like, mm -hmm. hey, we're adapting the changing environment. How do they acquire users? What do they do? Yeah. Oh, gosh, this is you team me up perfectly. No. So I, I think it, it's probably not wildly different than most other places, which is like that you go to where the gamers are, right? You go to where people are playing games, learning about games, talking about games, trying to discover games. Those would be the obvious choices, the Facebook and Google and giant networks like that. We see networks like Reddit and TikTok, which are, are have become really huge and partly because they allow you to be a little more targeted in who you're trying to get in front of. And one of the hardest challenges when marketing or running user acquisition for a console is like, how do I make sure these people have an Xbox? Literally, if you don't have an Xbox, you can't play my game, assuming I'm an Xbox-only game. Well, there's not a lot of places in the world where you can go and segment on that. So you see all of the gaming niche properties that exist, the IGNs and GameSpots and, and all of those. And then probably the... 40% of most marketing budgets we see are with influencers. You're going direct to content creators, primarily Twitch, YouTube. Um, there's obviously a few other platforms out there. And you're reaching people who are sort of guaranteed to be console players because they're watching other people stream other console games. So you sort of know that you're hitting the right audience. So those would be all of the like general channels. There's on-platform advertising. I mean, I think that's something that I was surprised none of these articles really mentioned, which is like Xbox already has an advertising business. It's run right. by Yahoo, but like you can pay Yahoo money and you can place ads on Xbox dashboard to promote your, your new game. That's a business that already exists. 
certainly their value prop is like we're literally putting your game in front of people who are sitting on the console that you're advertising on. It's pretty much the only way to do it. There's almost no other way to do on-console advertising today other than direct through um, like Yahoo, basically. This is something that could change that. You know, it's, what's kind of funny is in all of the... When you look at all the in-game advertising companies out there, the ads they show are always for brands, right? They never show them for other games, right? Because that's always like a little bit scary, right? The idea that I'm showing an ad for a competitor's game in my game is something that like no one wants to think about. But I'm saying yeah. the mobile ecosystem, that's a huge piece of where the advertising budgets come from is other mobile games. Um, yeah. So that'll be an interesting one to see how that sort of plays out and to see if, if it does go the way mobile. So I'm off topic, but that's sort of the structure, I would say, of, of the progressive console marketer. And you know, I think to your point, if I looked five years ago and you, you were to go, I, I literally did this, right? Go on LinkedIn, you go to um, categories, it's like computer games industry, and then you do a search for user acquisition. So you're basically looking for people who have a job title with the word user acquisition, who work at a company that's in the computer games industry. You're talking about like, I could count them on one hand, how many people have that job. Today, that number has increased drastically. And I think tomorrow that number increases more. Um, a lot of that, I mean, this is our, our business we see comes from uh, publishers that have cross-development chops. Either they, they have a mobile division or they're building games that are meant to be cross-platform, cross-play. And when that happens, you see a lot more bleeding of expertise, thought process from people in mobile who have user acquisition backgrounds. And when a person with a core mobile UA background comes to a console game, they like lick their chops like, wait a second, this isn't a highly competitive world where every yeah. CPA has been bid up to pass what I can pay for it. Um, and that's, I think, a really exciting time to be you know, in UA for console because it is still nascent and these things like this, which could totally change the landscape, are still being developed. Yeah, it's, it's funny because, you know, I've worked for a lot of mobile gaming companies and it was like earlier on in my career when I was like more junior, right? There was always like a phase, you know, working at startups where it's like, okay, well, you know what? Like we need to bring in a big gun, right? Like we need to, you know, we, we've been doing UA and that's great, but like we really need to have like more of a holistic marketing effort here. So let's bring in... A brand marketer. Right, yeah, exactly. You know exactly where I'm going. And so let's bring in someone with, you know, brand marketing experience and they, they come from XYZ company, right? You know, and console game dev or AAA, mm -hmm. you know, desktop game dev. And it's like, they come in and like, I have no idea what you do, right? Like, they're like, <laughs> I have no clue what you do. I'm just going to leave you alone. I assume you're probably good at your job, right? Um, and like, I'm just going to focus on the brand stuff. But it never just stayed that way, right? Like, it always sort of, they just more and more encroachment into like what you're doing and like, oh, well, we need these, you know, blah, 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 and we should be doing TV. And it's like, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. And it's going to be interesting to see if like the sort of the directionality of that crossover shifts. And it's like all these mobile people come into console and they're going to have the same kind of culture clash. Right. But it, I, I see that, uh, you know, sort of daily. I mean, like that, that is a, is a big part of our business is sometimes that like at an education cycle of, yeah, you've been a brand marketer, especially, you know, we, we work with a lot of these games that are, you know, they're franchises that are 20 years old right. and it's, they've obviously been successful in marketing those games for a really, really long time, but the world is changing. And I think that the, sure. Biggest change is the games as a service, like thinking. I think what's really cool on, on console today is a lot of the most successful games are still premium, but yet they're games as a service. And like, right. what is it's the best of both worlds, right? You're still getting yeah. that $60 upfront cost, but you're able to build that long-term relationship, still build long-term value by shipping DLC and additional content over time. You don't want to just give away that $60 and say, hey, we're going all the way free right now. Yeah. Like, that, that's still a, it's not only a viable model, I think it's the most successful model right now on, on console is a premium, but still games as a service model. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. Okay, so we talked about taking a look back in time. 
Let's take a look forward, right? Let's get your crystal ball out. What do you, we think in-game console advertising looks like in three or four years, right? Three or four years. That's that's sort of like right at the edge of when I think we'll start seeing the you know successful ad-supported yeah. games on console. Um, I do think those are likely cross-platform sort of cross-play experiences that are maybe built to be you know, and this is, you know, the Stadia has been talking about this for a long time, right? Like natively cloud experiences so that, you know, the sort of form factor of the game, the the controls of the game are actually built to be played anywhere. And I think when you have a actually play anywhere game, and I'm like, I'm not sure that a single game exists like that right now. I think you have, yeah. you know, Fortnite's the closest thing and they have different controls, obviously in different places. And incidentally, it's also like the most successful game that chipped in the last however many 20 years. So yeah. the version of that that is from day one, cross-platform, cross-play, free-to-play, probably ad-supported. Yeah, I think we're three or four years is probably when we're starting to see those emerge. And they're great experiences that that actually you know reward players for for watching ads. They're not you know crappy. They don't break the experience. Players aren't pissed off about it. They either engage with it or they don't. But it's probably net additive to the experience. I think we're seeing those games launch and, and have success and probably have more success than than almost any free to play game that currently exists on on platform. Right. If you really look at the free to play category on console right now, it's like pretty sparse. There's a few like yeah. big hitters like the you know the sort of Fortnite of the world, and then there's a bit of a sort of back catalog of games that kind of never really hit or were kind of ports yeah. and things like that. So I think it could totally reinvigorate the free-to-play category on console. Yeah, it's Fortnite, Apex, right? Warzone. And they're all shooters. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Adam, this is great. I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. Where can people find you? Where can they interact with you? How can they get in touch with you? I'm on Twitter, at Adam S. Lieb. I... You know, go to my website, probably find me that way too. But I would say on, at gamesite.io, but I'd say Twitter is Twitter's the best. I, I'm not famous. I respond to things on Twitter when people at me. Last thing, and I'll let you go. You know, I've talked about this on the Twig podcast. What do you think of my idea of moving GDC out of San Francisco? Move it to Austin. Good idea, right? It was here before. Let's move it to Vegas. Let's move it to Amsterdam. Let's go abroad. Why is it, why is it in San Francisco? It makes no sense. There's no game developers in San Francisco. San Francisco is expensive. Let's be honest. It's not altogether safe, right? It's hard to get a hotel room for less than like however much a night. Sure. Let's move it. What do you think? What, like, let's say if I published a petition, would you sign it? Let's move GDC out of San Francisco. I like Vegas the most. I think that one, like it's so big, like you get all the hotel rooms, yeah. you get all the space. There's obviously huge convention centers. I mean, I don't know, you know, you can use two convention centers if you sort of need sure. to. Yeah, I like it. I'm also for like, we used, there used to be was a GDC online is what it was called in, yeah. in Austin. Yeah, yeah. I also like the idea of more stuff, you know, more, the better, especially if they're going to be more focused, like why not have GDC crypto? Like, let's just do that. Yeah. Let's just make one that's that. And uh, no, I'm for it. I love San Francisco. I love busy in San Francisco, but I, I don't need it to be for GDC. Right. Okay. Well, be on the lookout for my petition. Okay. I'll, I will. I will. I will sign. I will sign. Getting inboxes soon. I appreciate your time today. Thank you very much, sir. You got it. Yep.